Hi there, and welcome to the Interiors Podcast with Tanya Neufeld Flanagan. This show is all about informing and inspiring Irish homeowners and buyers on all things around property, house and home, from self-building to choosing flooring. In each episode, we interview industry experts and homeowners to give you practical advice and the motivation to create and elevate your spaces. Welcome to episode nine of the Interiors Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Neufeld. And with us today, we have Sarah Duggan of Porto Bello Renovation, a famous Instagram account that you also might know from the latest series of Home of the Year. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here today. Yeah. Oh, God. Your house is one of my favorites from Home of the Year. And it's always so fun when you're following along on the Instagram accounts and then the houses you already know come up and you're like, oh, my God, I know her. I know her. Even though you have no idea that I exist until then. <laughs> I get that though. I was that person for like a couple of the houses last year. I was like, oh, he's my Insta friend. And you do, yeah. you get really like invested in it because you're, you've been yeah. following their journey, the renovation, and then you're nearly, you're quite invested in what the judges say about it. So I do get it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for the record, I think you were robbed. And I think it's just because last year they also did a small Dublin house. Um, so they had to diversify it a little bit, but I think you deserve to win because I think so many people are, you know, living in urban centers, trying to make the most of tiny spaces and it's so hard. And that's really what I want to talk to you today. So you are a fashion buyer and your husband is also not in, not in architecture or design or anything like no. that, right? You're, you're regular people. So Correct. Yeah. <laughs> although you, you do have a, you know, you're a design eye. So that mm-hmm. that's going to inform a lot of the project. But tell us a little bit about when this whole journey started, um, what you were originally looking for for a house, and how you ended up choosing your current home. Yeah. So we started having a look at kind of the property market, just keeping an eye on it in like, I think maybe 2016, 2017. We didn't see anything we loved and we kind of explored. Are we a new builds kind of couple? Are we mm. um, kind of renovated, renovating kind of couple? Are we, we kind of just were feeling out the market as to kind of what we liked, what we don't like, what were our non-negotiables. At the time we were renting in Rings End. So we were in a terraced house. We had things, I guess, like anybody in a rental, it's not yours. You can't put your stamp on it. So there were things yeah. there that we were like, oh, if this was my place, I would do X, Y, and Z. So there was a couple of mutual things that we were kind of like, okay, here's, here's our combined wish list and then just a couple of individual things. So we had a pretty succinct list of what we were kind of entering the market considering we'd be interested in. Yeah. And, I, and what and were I some of those criteria? So some of them were storage, light, um, like daylight. It's, it sounds crazy, but it was really important to us kind of parking was important to us. Mm. We were focused yeah. on a house over an apartment. Storage, not not open plan living. Um, okay. Not open, plan. not open plan living. They're, they were kind of the big things for us. And I think as we went to view a kind of couple of the, the new kind of building estates, we went out to Castle Knock and a couple of places, we were able to kind of see, we're like, okay, maybe a new build isn't for us. You know, once yeah. they're gorgeous and they're spacious and, you know, they're really considered, you you know, parking in front of your house yeah. and a, a garden at the back and stuff like that. It's, I don't know, it just didn't, as corny as this sounds, it just didn't kind of speak to us. I was like, yeah. hey, it, it's beautiful, but it's it's just not us. They're um, quite cold, I find. A lot of them look like copy and paste versions of each other. They have nothing to do with the surrounding areas. No. Like it could be, it could be cherry wood or it could be limerick, like, and you wouldn't. You wouldn't know. And also, yeah. if if you were looking for not open plan, 
that's what everything is nowadays, right? Yeah. And I think as well, it's pending or depending on the time you, you go, if you were to go to a, I don't know, a housing estate or an estate agent that was selling, you know, a, a kind of vast bunch of homes, you're not in control of the orientation. Then it could be, okay, mm. I bought this location, but oh, the compromises, the orientation and things like that were important to us as well. So yeah, we explored, we had a couple of areas in mind where we were open to Ranlock. So we, that was our main kind of focus of an area. Yeah. We would keep an eye on the papers. It was kind of before all these Instagram house accounts. So we'd keep an eye on the papers <laughs> on Daft. And, um, you know, if you write for a stroll, we'd look in the windows of some of like, um, the estate agents and things like that. Like the, the kind of more traditional things, even though it's not that long ago. So yeah, we, Used kind of Saturday mornings was spent going to open viewings, which was fun post gym to kind of do. And it kind of came about that we went to what we thought would be an amazing renovation opportunity in Ranla and we're just like, nope, this is another fail of a Saturday morning. And we still had parking. Um, we still had time on our parking meter and we were like, let's just look up on that. What else there is showing this morning that's an open viewing and walking distance that we can go to. And there was Portobello. <laughs> so we were, so we were like, okay, we've got 45 minutes. We'll get over, get viewed, get back, won't get clamped. So we were like, okay, let's just grab the coffees and go. And yeah, we came to the house. There was a great estate agent here. He kind of took us through the house. We, we had seen a habit on the market before and we were like, you know, tell us what's, what's the secret? Like what, what made it fall, fall through? And it was nothing, it was nothing sinister or anything like that. It was just, yeah. it was, I think the scale of the project that we okay. were about to take on the previous. Yeah, tell me um, what condition was it in? It needed a full renovation. It yeah. needed, I guess, with all the regulations and everything, you know, that's, that's everything down to wiring, plumbing, et cetera. So I yeah. think from memory, did the person maybe they weren't sure about the scale of the project or it was something, it was nothing sinister. Like it wasn't like, Oh, there's this crazy growing rod up the wall or anything like yeah. that. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't unmanageable, I guess. So we left, had started strolling back to Ranla and the two of us kind of nearly had like a glint in the eye and we we're like, well, we just go back for another look. And we did and we left. Asked more questions, left, were quite excited about it and then spoke to kind of both our parents and just asked them, like, what were their opinions? Were we crazy? It needed a lot of love. And you mentioned it, to me that your, your dad and your grandfather both worked in construction, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So I guess my, my dad definitely was that first phone call. And we yeah. Sent on, we sent on the link and <laughs> on, we sent on the link on Daft. We were like, Hey, any chance you could come and just have a visit? Just, you know, get your opinion on it. And I guess he was almost like the seal of approval. He's like, yeah, it's the same investment. You know, you've got great ceiling height. You've got original features, you know, in terms of the work that you need to do. He's like, I look around, there's no, you know, rising damp or anything like that. It is, you know, a lot of bringing things up to today's regulations, the opportunity to kind of reconfigure, you know, a couple of things and, mm-hmm. and we can get to, and we can get to that. And I guess make good of a couple of things. Like there was a small lean to extension, which wouldn't have, you know, passed in, in today's kind of regulation world. So yeah, and then we put the offer in. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It was almost like some people were like, you're crazy. This is like, why would you do this for your first home? But I think having done all the viewings, we just didn't see something that kind of allowed us to kind of put our stamp on it. And this yeah. gave us absolutely that. And was it in the same, like, was it a, is it a two bed or a three bed? I can't remember. It's a two bed that can be two a three bed. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. was that what you were looking for or did you have to do like make some sacrifices when you saw it because of like, you know, what you'd seen from the house hunt? I mean, things in 2016 were much better than they are now, but yeah, it's been a hot market for some time still. So. I think our kind of our intention going into it was like, okay, well, 
we'll take this on, we'll look at this as our first home, we'll go small but sleek. Location was really important to us. We both work mm. in, in essentially the city centre, so we didn't we knew ourselves we didn't want to go away to kind of the suburbs of Dublin. That would add to our commute time. So we yeah. also ticked a lot of boxes. We loved like we just loved the whole journey. It was brilliant doing it. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing to pull out of this. A lot of times people I talk to friends that are trying to buy a house, especially the last two years, people are like, okay, I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be my forever home, which in the current market, in terms of supply and demand and like what you need to be making to get your forever home is just kind of unrealistic. And I think more people should be approaching it like this. We might outgrow this in a few years when, but. That's okay, right? Because that, that's just part of the, the house journey. You, you mm-hmm. don't always have to have your forever home. Um, and it might be a less stressful situation for people if they sacrifice a bedroom. Yeah, like I think from 2017 to now, I guess you just don't know what's kind of going to come around the corner. So yeah. we, we were happy we made the move. We purchased <laughs> the property, property we renovated. Oh my God, yeah. You know, and sometimes it is about compromise or sacrifice. But knowing that, you know, there's, you know, things can change in the future as well. It's, it's perfect for us for right now. And then, you know, who knows what, who knows where we'll be in five years time, but we're so happy where we are now, both the space, how the house functions and then just still the location. Like it's just yeah. amaz- amazing. Yeah. I, I, I totally think that that's a great way to approach it. And, and I think when you're, when you're young and like you don't want to spend time commuting, like people should really think carefully about the trade-off of location versus size of house. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are obsessed with number of bedrooms, but sometimes that third bedroom is literally a closet. It literally yeah. is a yeah. It's like a box room. It's like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, it's I so agree. stupid. Um, but tell me, uh, tell me a little bit more about the house itself. So it, how many square meters is it? And did it have like a garden with potential for extending or not really? So it's 74 meters squared. and okay. I guess no, no, from an extension side of things. There are neighbor, there are neighboring houses that have done bigger extensions and, you know, gone up two stories and things like that. But I guess for us and the timing, we just, it just wasn't what we were about. We weren't, we knew we weren't going to be here forever. So we didn't yeah. feel for us, it was the smartest investment to kind of, you know, really add that larger extension onto it. So what we did do was reconfigure the outdoor area yeah. in the same, square meters parameter that, that already existed some of the houses have like outhouses and like there was an outdoor toilet so you know into into i know it's wild like in terms <laughs> in, in terms of a functioning space that space was then going to come in inside so we were able to kind of play with the square footage to get a smarter indoor area and then reconfigure the outdoor area so all the dimensions still say the same it was all about reconfiguring so it was cle- it was really clever work on the architect's part i assume you then did the survey uh, nothing too scary came back mm. when you're buying it. Was there anything like that you, you're like, Oh, this came about and apparently it sounded scary, but it wasn't really like, I, I think I, I, we were looking at a property recently and I think it came back with some dry rot or something like that. Mm-hmm. But apparently in a hundred year old house, if it's a small amount, that's quite normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so were there any weird things in the survey that educated you? I think it's kind of when the plaster and um, you know, the, even back, like, the, the walls were like slashed and plaster, like it was, it was really original. I think when all that started coming down, there was a couple of walls that needed to be pinned. And that mm. was like, a, you know, not knowing what that meant, that was a little bit overwhelming. 
And when you went into the property, then you could see these cracks. But again, <laughs> the house, the house is over a hundred years old. So like any house, you know, what is behind that beautiful white wall or the plaster or whatever, you know, there is aging and settling and things like that. So that was all, yeah. you know, made good. So I guess we, you know, we sought out advice and they took us through, okay, well, it, you know, your survey brought this to our attention, but this is what we're going to do to make good. So there's a lot of reassurance from the professionals that don't panic. It is fixable. So sometimes yeah. that comes, sometimes that comes at a price, but at the end of the day, we, we did make the call on several things to invest and make good and we can furnish and make it beautiful later. So we were happy to, to kind of invest in some things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know you hired an architect. A lot of times when people approach these projects, especially if you're not extending, a lot of people would just go the kind of general contractor route and, or sometimes maybe just hire an interior designer. Why did you decide to go the architect route? And what, what do you think? What was the big thing that they did that you couldn't have done just working directly with a builder? So we did a good bit of homework on who the architect we will partner with would be. Um, and how we kind of went about that was we actually had a look on the Dublin City Council website. So at the neighboring properties, okay, what's approved in the kind of zoning of our area? Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought us to be familiar with some of the architects that had done work in a couple of scenarios in the area. So different scales, different sizes, different orientations. Yeah. Um, and we met with three of them. Now we didn't, we weren't interested in anybody else's plans. It was more to kind of see who's familiar with the area. Even things like been so close to the canal, we were like, Oh God, what about flooding? What about things like yeah. that? So, so we were like, okay, who has tried and tested? Who knows what they're up against? So I think we had three people that we met. So we went with Emmett Duggan, who was able to show us a previous project he worked on on Portobello Road. So it was a, quite a small property, had loads of light, had clever storage, had been reconfigured. So we were like, tick, tick, tick. This was, you know, all the things that we were going to want to maximize within our home that he had done in an even smaller space. Like even down to kind of suggesting the shower, not a shower curtain, but the shower screen. Like Ooh. it was just so clever. I was like, oh, he, yeah. he is going to be excellent at maximizing how this house functions, how we live in it, what we can, you know, what spaces we can bend and just make work really hard. And, and there's yeah. just like, there's a good vibe as well. And I think that's really important. You know, you need, you need professionally the fit to be correct, but also the kind of relationship because if you are going into a relationship with them that can be quite stressful and it's the most money you're probably ever going to spend. So you do, yeah. I believe, I believe you do really need to get on. I, so, yeah, I think that's a that's a great tip. So you went on Dublin City Council, you found all you know all the applications that have been put in, but you didn't need planning permission, right? No, because we weren't yeah. we weren't changing, you weren't changing the, anything. The, the dimensions, no. Yeah, or the no. the front facade. No, so and that was something really important to us. There's other God bless. There's other houses, neighboring houses that have had their gorgeous red bricks painted, which must have been a trend back in the day. But um, no, oh, ours no. was ours ours was beautiful. And there was no change yeah. to the front. Yeah. I think it's a great tip, especially with period homes. They all were built with a really similar layout. And mm-hmm. if you like if you go on a road in Ranla, in Portobello, in wherever, there's going to be like thirty of the same house. Mm-hmm. And odds are in an up and coming neighborhood, somebody else will have renovated it. So mm-hmm. when when I was looking at architects for this house we were potentially buying, I was mm-hmm. like, Okay, this is the layout. This is the approximate size. And then you can see in, in architects' portfolios what they've done with those spaces. And then you're like, okay, they'll know how to address a mm-hmm. lot of the same issues that this ha- as this house. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's a really great tip. Going back a few steps, 
so you, you decided you were, you were going to go for the architect. How did you get a really good estimate of how long it was going to take and the costing? And, so, you know, how did you, yeah. how did you approach all of that? Cause that's the scary part with renovations, right? It is. Um, it's, it's the one, it's the one unknown because, you know, mm-hmm. one part, one person could be one price and another person could be very different price. We put a lot of trust and faith in the architect. We had a good relationship. And at the end of the day, he was a professional. You know, we had our ideas and wish lists and things like that. And we, we did in truth hand it over to him. He's, he's very experienced. You know, I think he's over, his business is in, in practice over 20 years. So has a lot of relationships with different builders. So mm-hmm. he went out to tender to different contractors for us. Um, and we got those, um, like everything back. We got the, the kind of costings, the timeframes, the start dates, even like, you know, things like that. If somebody was finishing up a project, they then couldn't start, I don't know, for a, a pretty significant period of time. That wasn't going to be a runner for us, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So it does come down, or for us, it did come down to even more than, than money as well. Let's, it's kind of the timeline of your life as well. It's like, can you wait? Can you not wait? And what yeah. is the co- what is the cost of waiting? It's you know, of course Dublin, you're still that, paying rent, rent, right? That's renting and yeah. mortgage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we again trusted the architect. He brought in some good costings, and then I guess had his um, advice on the different builders. He's obviously worked with them all, and we were able then to just chat to a couple of um, his clients, I guess, just to get their thoughts um, and their recommendations, I guess, um, on. Yeah how it all went. So it really kind of hearing their experience, it really sealed the deal on both architect and builder as well. Yeah. And I, again, that's another reason to hire somebody like an architect, because if you go, you know, a lot of people think it's insane how much an architect charges, but they don't know how much work it is to be your own project manager, to find your own builders, to go to tender, to negotiate mm-hmm. on that with your, I assume he had his own quantity surveyor and everything. So you're paying yeah. that 10%, not just for the plans, but like literally for their experience of like what to do when this goes mm-hmm. wrong with the builder and, and yeah. all of that. And like the order of events, the contacting, the sourcing, the, you yeah. know, the contingencies, like it's a price that I couldn't put a price on if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a service that we found beneficial and 10,000% was used again. And so, okay, what was the brief you gave the architect and what were some of the things you did or didn't want to do to the house? Uh, what, t- tell us a little bit about the general layout and what, yeah, what was the, you know, we've seen the house, but it's good to, to get a, get a story of, of how it all went down. So we'd, we had a wish list that we each, and we, we kind of essentially combined it down because at the, at the end of the day, it is a small house at 74 meters squared. Wow. So there, Big, big ticket thing for us was warm, mm-hmm. uh, lots, lots of daylight, lots of storage that's discreet. So as much as possible, that could be integrated. And then two, two, two bedrooms with a room that could be multi-purpose. So mm-hmm. that in truth kept us in a, in a debate, I guess, because, you know, when you're doing your research, you see all these, you know, beautiful magazines, open plan, ground floors and things like that. So it was something that we, toyed with we were like will we won't we will we won't we and we i guess we we met in the middle so we have we got um a sitting room in the front of our house that you can close the door on but then we've an open kitchen living so it was a, 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 i don't i don't we don't ever refer to the kitchen as open plan but it is a yeah um kitchen dining living so it's it's a fab yeah. kind of compromise that we were able to come up with oh so you have a little front living room that has a door that can yeah. close it off from the the, the other area with is it the, the space with your orange piece of art? 
the space of the orange piece of art is the kind of little lounge area that's in the kitchen, which is, I guess, okay. the, I don't want to use open plan, but it's that kitchen living space and yeah. the room I, the room I'm in currently that has the, um, spearmint sofa that Hugh, yeah. <laughs> Wallace calls it. That's the room, <laughs> that's the room that you can sort of sit around. Yeah. So sitting room, it's the, the good room. Exactly. And I think it's the, it's the original sitting room in a lot of these kind of houses. Yeah. Um, and then the kitchen was always to the back. So it's kind of, you know, it had this gorgeous fireplace that we got restored. So we did kind of maintain the function of the room in its original okay. sense as well. Yeah. And so that middle lounge, would that have been a small dining room that you reconfigured? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell us, tell us a little more about that and that decision. We wanted to be able, like things, we both have different interests and, and this is before anybody knew we'd be all working from home, but we, yeah. we love the idea of like, you know, you can just go away, decompress after, you know, a day's work in a separate space where if someone is cooking or whatever, that can be quite noisy and disruptive. Or if you're having friends over, we, we definitely wanted to have two areas that are entirely separate. So it prompted us to keep the front room as it is. That can just be a lovely relaxing room. And then the lounge, we did want to kind of utilize the space. We didn't want to give over all that space to just this huge kitchen. We wanted to be able to have an area to kind of relax in and enjoy. Cooking isn't really the top of our agenda. So we didn't have this want for a ginormous kitchen with, you know, all these, all these things. It's kind of, it's sleek, it's functional. It does everything we need it to do. So the use of a lounge area in that space for us was perfect. For somebody else, they could have put a big island in and then where our lounge is, your dining table would have been. And yeah, we did, we did discuss with the architect both scenarios, but we're, I don't know, I think living so close to the city and we were just like, are we even going to be in? Are we going to be hosting? We're going to be out and about and things like that. So for us, we went with lounge. But that being said, you could, you could change it in the morning. You could just get rid of that sofa, have the dining yeah. there and stuff like that. Cause That's I know we, true. we host, I hosted a, um, I hosted a, um, party for my sister here at one point and it was before some of the furniture her, had arrived and that's exactly what we did we set up like a table where the sofa is and then we had a long a long dining table for um, yeah. like drink, drinks and stuff like that so it's it is a space that can work in two ways we're choosing to work it as a lounge and I think it's really clever I'm just as we're chatting I'm looking through some of the pictures of your house and I can see so the kitchen like you, you put this round table right in the area between the kitchen and the glazing that goes out to the garden. Mm-hmm. But it's, it is very practical in the sense that like, you know, normally you might be like, Oh, that, that, that's kind of cramped. Why would you put your table right there? You could put an Island there. But like mm-hmm. you said, if, if cooking wasn't high priority and it was just you and, and your husband at the time, you can reach back to the kitchen counter and grab something from where you're sitting. And hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. It makes it very kind of cozy and comfortable and somebody can be cooking while somebody else is, is watching TV, not so far away. Um, yeah. and you can still host with, you know, people sitting on the couch and having snacks around there. A hundred percent. Um, like the furniture we have, you know, you can have two chairs facing the coffee table, facing mm. the sofa. And the, the funniest thing in the house is the steps on the stairs. Everybody is drawn to like sitting on the step to chat to you. It's the cra- it's the craziest thing. You're just like, no, here, have a Wait, seat in this, take a seat in this lovely step? chair. It's, um, there, when you come down the stairs, there's two steps that come into the living space. They're, they might not be in a photograph. Yeah. It's so oh, funny. Oh, I makes, see them. Yeah. Oh. People gravitate to sit on it. It's the strangest thing. Cause I guess it's, it's a similar height to the top step is a similar height to like yeah. a sofa. 
It's so funny. Interesting. So and was that the original placement of the stairs? Because normally they're at the end of the hallway. No, it wasn't. Okay. Um, so Tell the, me more about this. <laughs> the, position, the positioning of the stairs is, but it didn't have a return on it. It went straight it's straight down. And then in, in this house and a lot of the similar houses in the area, and even on the north side, because I do have, as we call it, a house twin. There's a girl on Instagram. Um, <laughs> and her her home is so similar. Like it's in the in the original um, state of the homes. You come down the stairs and there was this beautiful archway into kind of, I guess what would have been maybe a kind of small kitchen pantry kind of area. Yeah. So it's a straight stairs, but we made a call to put a return on the stairs and then put in a utility press. So we just, we, sh- we shortened it, um, I guess, disguise more functioning things. Yeah. So in that is your washing machine, all your, your heating, you know, wiring and stuff like that, yeah. fuse box, like all those really kind of functional things that you don't really want to see in a home. And that's under the stairs. It's where the original stairs would have come straight down. Oh. So we, we shortened the, the original stairs, put a return on it, and that comes into the, the living space. And then where it would have kept continuing on, I think it's maybe, you know, meter and a half or something like that. That space was used then to create this, this utility press. And is that behind your TV? That, that area behind the TV? It's not. It's actually, it's probably not even photographed. If you're facing the stairs, it's to the right of okay. the stairs. And then okay. to, to go on to then under the stairs, that's then, um, storage. So there's a closet okay. under there. And then in the back, there's, I guess we just set up some kind of storage boxes. So all the paint and things that I would use for DIYing, that's all yeah. hidden there in the back. So it's kind of, it's such a low space to get into, but you've got yeah. your Hoover, all those kind of functional things hidden under there as well. So you didn't put a bathroom downstairs and you put all of these things instead. Is that right? We did get a bathroom downstairs. What? Oh, Where? Oh, this, this, this space works hard. <laughs> wow. this, this is the beauty of using an architect. I, it honestly, he, he got so much into this space. So there's a wet shower room downstairs. So uh, if you have a shower in 74 square meters with a yeah, utility we, press. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We took a little bit of space off the, what would have been the original sitting room. Um, mm-hmm. so in the homes, there's kind of an angled chimney rest. So that is a feature within the wet room, but it's, um, cleverly designed that that's the corner of the shower. So it's fully, um, mosaic floor, subway tiles on the wall, and then made good for a shower. Like it's the perfect use of space. And then it's got wow. the, we took the shower screen inspiration from the project that he showed us on Portobello Road. This huge kind of sheet of glass. And that was, just perfect kind of design into using the space in a really clever way rather than Very getting into cool. like shower trays and specific kind of things like that. Yeah. It was really a really smart way to get this and um, get the second shower in. Okay. So it's between the good room and the lounge. Yeah. Wow. So clever. And mm. I assume there was no plumbing in that space. So you had to, when you, but you were replumbing the whole house anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was a perfect opportunity to, you know, reconfigure, re or like add all these additional things and really design into the home. Like, okay, is two bathrooms important? Yes, it was for us. So we have that wet room downstairs and there was a bathroom, but it was, it was just in a really like awful place. And I mean, there was the original toilet as well. So all the plumbing <laughs> that had to be taken out and all the plumbing redone anyway. Um, and then we got an ensuite upstairs. Amazing. Yeah. And, and also from a resale value point of view, that means downstairs you do have a room. And a, yeah. and a and a full bathroom next to it. So if somebody wanted to buy it to live, you know, with and and rent out another room, you could do that. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. Wow. 
<laughs> we have we have another guest here with us. <laughs> oh, it's a full it's a full head today, Tanya. <laughs> Between Marla, the English bulldog, and yeah. and a little little somebody making funny noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so actually, um, tell me a little bit more then about upstairs, and then I want to hear about how you adapted the house during the pandemic and how you are adapting it with you know the current life stage you're in with a growing family. What are, you know, some things that are, aren't working? How do you decide when it's time to move on? I want to hear about upstairs and all of that. So the upstairs of the home had two bedrooms originally. So we were not ambitious in wanting to put like any kind of additional extension or anything to get a third. We were happy to go with the two bedrooms, but we yep. did want to get an ensuite in. So we chatted with the architect about that on, in terms of, you know, what do you want the two rooms to do to function like? Mm. So. We did want double beds in both rooms. We didn't want to kind of shrink one down, one room down too much, you know, to, to have that, you know, it be box room esque or whatever. Um, so we chatted about things that were really important to us. So that was an ensuite and then wardrobe storage. So I'm a fashion buyer. I have a lot of clothes. <laughs> so that was, that was important, um, important part of the brief. What we did upstairs was we reconfigured the um, master bedroom door. So. Originally, we would have gone up the stairs and be greeted by the bedroom door. So what we did was we, we moved it, I guess, essentially the width of the door to the left and then closed up the original door. And then from the front of the house to the closed up door is wardrobe, like sort of as much of a ceiling as it can be um, storage. It's amazing. We did. Wow. Um, yeah, we worked really closely with the kitchen supplier, Kerwa Design. So he was able to kind of come measure, do everything. And I guess do a custom maximize the height and listen to kind of our needs so he was like he's like sarah you're gonna have full-length dresses where are you gonna store them and i was like oh my goodness i hadn't even like thought of these things things." he's like he's like no seriously you know you need to consider if your husband has suits you know how many suits how much suit storage because you do have that chance to really customize the the wardrobe storage you know he's like yeah shoes do you want that encompassed you know all those things so that was an amazing spend I guess that we thought was really beneficial and then the adding in the ensuite so again a little bit more reconfiguring of doors upstairs um, and we shaved off I guess a portion of the second bedroom to give us an ensuite in the master room so that again has the beautiful angle chimney breast but we were clever upstairs in that sense and put the toilet against that chimney breast and then in the um shower essence it is kind of a traditional shower tray and that that lent for like an easy layout cool and so wait the wall of wardrobes is that in the hallway or where no it's in your bedroom in your it's training. in our bed yeah okay. Okay. okay it's in our bedroom so what when you walk up the top of the stairs you're greeted with kind of i guess a blank wall and it's behind that so you okay. walk in the you walk into the master bedroom the living kind of area the bed the entrance to the ensuite is all on the left and then the wardrobes are behind the door on the right. So it's amazing. It's more storage than, I was going to say more storage than you think you need, but then I'm always telling myself <laughs> that I don't have enough. So, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, definitely a good addition to the space. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for going custom with, with the closets and then splurging for all those customizations. Cause that's actually where it gets quite expensive. We got side robes in this house, which is a new build that came with like no storage. Mm-hmm. And we made the mistake of like being like, oh, we don't need anything fancy inside. Like just kind of give us two rails and some cubbies mm-hmm. and one thing of drawers. But there's a big benefit to 
really actually investing in the shoe, the extra shoe racks and this and that, because now all those things just get thrown in piles at the bottom of the, the, the closet. And it is worth paying the extra grand or something for all those little customizations inside and to make it to, you know, go all the way to the ceiling. So I think that's a good tip. And also people don't know that a joiner or a kitchen designer can create loads mm-hmm. of other joinery throughout your house. Oh, so many things. Like, yeah. he's, so many things. Like, he did our kitchen. He did the utility press. Um, he did the wardrobes. And he did even, like, even the small things like boxing in the kind of the gas and electric meter behind mm-hmm. the front door. Yeah. Just stuff like that. It's very discreet. It's, you know, he boxed in the pipes and everything. It was like, you know, do we want those? Do we want to have to look at them and dust them? So I think, yeah. you know, engaging those professionals they have an eye and do this job every day that can take pressures off of you and just suggest some really like small, sleek details that just disguise things. It's just, yeah. it's just perfect. In, in a small space, you want it to be as clutter free and as, I guess, obstacle free as possible. And those guys definitely pull that off in our house. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. So I think we have a good idea of what you did with the house. Um, what about in terms of how long the renovation was meant to be and how long it ended up being and how you managed that along the way while both of you were, you were both working full time, I imagine, right? Yeah, we were both working full time. And I guess the size of the project and potentially the workload of the architect at the time, we were really fortunate that he was able to kind of, I guess, essentially project manage it for us. We were both really busy traveling a lot at that time with work. And he, he was just excellent. Like he really, you know, him, because he had worked with the builder previously, it wasn't a new relationship for them. They knew yeah. each other, they knew where each other stood. There was, you know, that standing relationship we really benefited from. They made decisions and kept things moving without, I guess, that element of having to be involved or included. We did our sourcing bits and things like that, you know, for kitchen, um, kitchen color decisions and, um, sanitary wear and stuff like that. But I think, you know, engaging those people engaging the, the right people, I guess, really paid off and yeah. um, really paid off for us. And did the architect help you d- decide, you know, okay, this is the kitchen layout, but did they help you with the finishes and who to go to as well? So they did a little bit kind of of interior work as well. He did actually. He was yeah. excellent. Um, we met him, I think, a couple of Saturdays in mm-hmm. a couple of Dublin, Dublin and Australia states to review some sanitary wear with a couple of salespeople out there that he worked with, they knew the kind of size and scale of our home. They, they knew our budget, you know, things like that. And then the, wow. the design, the design, I guess, aesthetic that we were going for. So they were able to guide us in terms of, okay, you know, this will be perfect for that scale of your wet room. This will be perfect for that scale of your own suite. And then the same with the kitchen manufacturer, the kitchen manufacturer curve design. I, I can't speak highly enough of, I think they're excellent. <laughs> they, in particular, in particularly Ben Kerrigan, like we did ben out of Kerrigan. Ben <laughs> Kerrigan, big shout out to Ben Kerrigan. Ben Kerrigan. <laughs> we'll ben put Kerrigan. it in the show notes. <laughs> he did out of office meetings with Ian and I because we were so busy and traveling so much. So he, he just went above and beyond. Like there was even things like, you know, or he, I just, I can't speak highly enough of him. He was just so accommodating for us. He, he humored me and all my, all my kitchen notions and stuff like that. So he just, he was brilliant. He's so good at what he does. 
he definitely got the vibe that we were going for as well. So it was really, it was quite effortless. And again, a professional body draws, he's like, okay, you can do X, Y, and Z with your space and had solutions and in his showroom had options as well. So it was just, it was really, it was really worthwhile to get out there and get to the showroom and even look at, you know, he was able to share projects similar to the architect, you know, other clients projects. So you could see, get a vibe for it, take, take things from one project and another project and then voila, you've kind of got your own one. Seems yeah. like they were invaluable to the project. So it is important to work with a good joiner or kitchen designer because there's so many things they can do. Like you said, that you, most people don't even think of. They're like, oh, they do my kitchen and that's it. Like, mm. no, if you want like a special built-in bench uh, somewhere, you want a banquet yeah. for your dining table, there's so much that can be done and built-in stuff. Although it sounds really expensive when you get quoted it, if you then go to buy like a designer sofa or designer bench, like it's going to cost a lot too and it won't be as space saving and won't offer storage a hundred percent yeah i totally yeah. agree when you were how how long did the full renovation take so the full renovation i want to the, the, the i guess the renovate was separated into the renovating and the decorating the renovating yes. <laughs> the renovating side of things it started in june 2018 and finished up i think the last tradesman kind of wrapped up here around October, November. So we were coming to the end of our lease. Wow. And had, yeah. And had to move in. Um, so there was still some kind of finishings happening, like outdoor tiling. And I think there was a delay on the stone for the kitchen. Um, just through popularity, I think it was just really busy and we were traveling. So like there wasn't somebody always here. So the kitchen was kind of, we were here and the kitchen hadn't gone in yet, which was fine because we weren't around. Um, and we're not big cooks. So they, they were the last year and that was kind of, I think, yeah, the October, November of 2018. Wow. So four or quick, five months. Four or five. Yeah. Quick on the scale of things. Oh my God. Wow. I think within that there was like, I think a window delay. Um, yeah. I think there was, you know, there either would have been builders holidays. Or, I think that's two weeks in August. So there's yeah. all those, all those natural curveballs that you kind of come up against as well. But I think it's, I think it's really good to use professionals that have that relationship with each other because they're able to liaise on dates, you know, work with each other if a date doesn't yeah. work or something's delayed and stuff and you you with the customer or client, you're not involved. It's kind of your headache free for want of a better word, which is yeah. Was important to us. Yeah, definitely worth paying for. And like the the thing you told me about with the wall, the underpinning, that that didn't cause too many delays. That wasn't too too much of a nightmare in the end. Not to not to our knowledge anyway. Like I think yeah. it was probably in terms of their critical path and getting dates met to even engage with like other other um other tradesmen like electricians and plasters and things like that. That was all managed behind the scenes. You know, there may have been delays, but the guys kind of just kept everything moving. And then moving on to the kind of the interior finishes and the decor, obviously you already knew what you had in mind, kind of very sleek mm-hmm. tight. Did you know you wanted it to be almost exclusively black and white is that kind of your style anyway no we didn't we okay we didn't at all we were i think i was flooded with inspiration of like bold colors and what was instagrammable at that time or whatever <laughs> and all the magazines you know i was i was buying up all the house and homes and <laughs> all the all the irish ones and l decor and everything like that and i think there was almost so much choice i got overwhelmed and we had the date for the paint um, the day for the painter to arrive and I was like, I'm, I'm just not ready to commit. Like I'm not ready to commit. And the other thing that I was considering was the painter was coming in October where it's, you're getting up in the morning. It's probably dark. You're coming home from work. It's probably dark. Mm. We've never lived in the house in the summer. So I was like, if we make some bold color decisions, are we going to regret this 
in a season we've never lived in the house. So yeah. we chatted, we chatted with the architect and he's like, what I would do, or I think what he recommended at the time is like, he's like, paint everything white because it's one, it's practically your base color anyway. And yeah. live in this, live in the space, feel it, get a feel for the space, the, you know, the rooms that you use the most, the spaces that you use the most and go from there. And that's exactly yeah. what we did. Now, granted, a lot of, a lot of it did stay white. Yeah. But we're happy that we introduced like the pops of color and texture in the furniture yeah. and the art pieces and the accessories, like the mirrors and things like that. But I think it's definitely a piece of advice I would say to somebody, don't rush and do your paint colors, you know, and don't rush and buy your furniture. I do think living in a space and seeing how it functions and seeing how you live in that space, you know, is as important as, you know, picking the architect, you know, it's, you're the one that has to stay in that house for, you know, yeah. for a long term. So making a rash decision just to have it done, it just wasn't for us. So we were happy to kind of just go with all white. And then that started to kind of dictate like a very paired back color scheme. It appears. Yeah, it, it did. <laughs> it did. Yeah. And I guess that would be kind of like, I wouldn't be a person that wears a lot of color in my, in okay. my, person, in my personal wardrobe print. No, don't know anything yeah. from my wardrobe either. Yeah. So I guess it kind of is an extension of, you know, my personal clothing style anyway. So it is, it is quite fitting. And I do think that's a great way to go about things, uh, to avoid trends or be like, Oh my God, this is too boring. Like maybe we, it should just be like pink because somebody told you it'd be cool. Like look at your closet, look at your partner's closet and look at art you have. Like are there, do you kind of skew towards greens and blues and mm -hmm. do you, do you wear a lot of pale pinks and kind of, if you've owned those clothes for a long time, you know what you're going to gravitate towards. So I think that's a, <clears throat> a great way of, of figuring out what color palette might work for your home. But yeah, start white and you can always paint and paint over it. Like exactly. paint is, can change, transform a house and it's the easiest and cheapest thing you can do. I so there's no point in yeah. rushing it. I totally agree. And something that I did lean into a lot again was, was Pinterest and kind of, you know, had little pin boards for different rooms and what the magazines are amazing. And it kind of showed, you know, what people did in Irish homes and similar homes in Dublin. But I think what was interesting on Pinterest was like, it helped when I look back on the boards and had a scroll, I could really see there was a bit of a theme amongst them. So I was like, okay, mm. you know, how, how would you summarize your style? Yeah, there's some, you know, beautiful, outrageous, you know, high end dream homes and things like that. Yeah, but yeah, I guess yeah. I was like, I was like, God, I'm, I'm really drawn to kind of, you know, brass, brass finishings in the kitchen mm. or I'm, I'm really drawn to kind of black mantle pieces. So it can kind of point the obvious out to you when it isn't actually, yeah. you know, it's kind of unknown to you at the time. So yeah. I thought, I thought that was really beneficial. It's like, oh, I'm consistent. Okay. That's, you know, a kind of really geographic theme for that room or, God, I'm really drawn to kind of like dark gray kitchens, clean countertops, stuff like that. So it's a great way to reflect and kind of, you know, find some um, similarities in what your interest is. Yeah. No, I love that. And then that way you also avoid trying to recreate like one style. And instead you're, you're plucking out like, what is this? Why did I actually pin this? What's the one mm -hmm. thing I like about it? Um, exactly. And, and then the decorating kind of phase. So you moved into the house. You didn't have a finished kitchen. What about <laughs> furniture? So I know you, you're you're recommending people not rush into that as well as not rushing into paint. How did you not rush into it if you moved into the house before you'd bought everything? So we brought whatever furniture we had with us and kind of separated yeah. that out amongst the two rooms. And because we've been renting 
we were renting in a place that was um, mostly furnished. So we did have to do a lot of furniture investment. So there was things that we'd already discussed. So um, an ottoman bed for extra storage, like that was a no brainer yep. for us in the space. In the front room, we knew we wanted something that had like a bright pop of color. So we were happy to wait on that. The area in the lounge, the orientation for a sofa was a little bit of a unique dimension. So that did take some time. But in the interim, we had an Ikea sofa. We bought a new cover for it, painted the wall a dark color, just got some Ikea art. Just to, like, I don't want to say tie us over, but it did. I think we had it in, had the space in that kind of dark navy guise for, I think, about three years. And I think it serves us well. I think there's ways that you can be savvy. You don't have to necessarily, you know, invest in things. You can give things a facelift. So like the Ikea fabric cush, the fabric covers for furniture, I think are brilliant. And there's other companies online that have the Ikea furniture dimensions and sell different fabrics and colors. So it's, you can be clever in that way. And then, you know, places like Dundee, then then to sell that on when you're done with it, it just kind of like keeps it out of landfill. Like we sold. When we, before the builders came in, I listed a lot of things on Dundee, like the original doors and stuff like that. And you'd, you'd be surprised the audience that it, there is on Dundee, you know, what, oh, you yeah. be, what you will be putting in the skit, deeming it like, you know, yeah. not important to your build. Someone could be, someone could be looking for that, you know, original cast iron fireplace, but you're going for like a sleek gas one. Like it's, it's eye opening what you could sell. And I mean, for us, we didn't know there was a skip coming. It wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be a problem if, if we weren't able to sell it on Dundee, yeah. but we, but we did. And it made the man's day. He was like, Oh my goodness, like you've any more. And I was like, no, sorry, just, just what we have. And he was, he, he knew what he wanted. He knew he wanted about yeah. 10 original doors. So he was sourcing on Dundee and after it can, you know, um, he had his vision. So it's funny how, yeah. you know, one person waste doors, is somebody else's treasure. Were these, were these your front doors or, or you replaced internal doors too? Internal original doors. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we kind of rehung some of the doors in different directions just to make the space work a little bit harder. Yeah, um, and okay. then the doors, I think, throughout the house, just just over the years, they were all kind of different doors. So like downstairs, uh, like glass panes, upstairs, definitely, I think, were the original doors. Then the bathroom had this beautiful ornate door with like a high handle. So they all had kind of different quirks, but there was no kind of consistency to the home. Um, yeah. So they all, they all had their opportunity on Dundee, but yeah. for, us, for us, we went with them, just really classic, yeah. classic doors and they're all cohesive then. Yeah. And I think it, that's also a good tip. Like if you can also furnish a house temporarily with things from Dundee, people are oh, just yeah. like you did. People are just looking to get rid of things usually and not dump them. So you can get a sofa that somebody once bought for 2000 euro for 200. It's, actually ridiculous how much value <laughs> furniture loses when when you're trying to sell it on um so i think it's a great way to temporarily furnish then build develop the house as you go and then so i guess then you kind of developed this black and white palette and invested more in these key pieces from places like ca design you've got a boat concept couch but you also kept certain things like you mixed high and low i know you have that that blue sofas from easy living so Tell us a little bit about how you decided what to invest in and what to save on. I think for us, some of the um, some of the wooden furniture we knew that that was going to be a really good investment. The, the kind yeah. of the materials and how they're how they're made was just you know they're so beautifully made that we knew that okay they were smart investments. They're you know from a design perspective they're classic. So yeah. from for us we felt like they weren't kind of I guess trendy. They've been around yeah. a long time and it's mm-hmm. an aesthetic, aesthetic that we're really happy with. 
Um, even things like our mirrors, like, you know, a circle mirror is quite classic. So we didn't get, I guess, caught up in too, too trendy of items, you know, that are, I guess, Instagrammable for the, of, and of the moment. Things like our, we did splurge on the bow concept sofa, but I guess, <laughs> as, as you kind of joked about earlier, we do treat this front room as, I guess, our good room. So yeah. we were, ha- we were happy to kind of have a more, investment piece in that space where yeah. it's it is kind of that true kind of standout piece and then we have the aims chair in there as well so you know they're beautiful functional pieces and they they bring a lot of character to the space when we knew we weren't going to have much else in the space yeah and um, and then the easy living piece i mean that was just a feel we love it it's mm-hmm. so it's so comfortable so that was that was a bit of a exciting find it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't it wasn't it was a bit of a secret discovery it was all of a sudden discovered on a Sunday, it was it definitely, was, it wasn't a strategic one as, um, as opposed to the front room was kind of quite considered, but, um, it's brilliant. It's so comfortable. It's amazing value. And the key for us was the dimensions. We had, it's crazy. We, we didn't know it at the time. And we have a, a tall standing radiator on that wall as well, which gives off amazing heat, but we didn't realize in adding, in choosing the type of radiator that it would actually eat up some of the dimensions for the sofa. So mm. a lesson, a lesson learned there. So yeah. that did, um, that, that did take, it took a little bit of time to source, but we yeah. love it. It's so comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people like, if, as long as you have taste and, uh, an aesthetic in mind that you can stick to, you can shop around and mix and match expensive pieces with less expensive pieces. A hundred percent. And one thing I've realized as I'm, as I'm scrolling through your feed as we're talking, in a small house, there's only so many pieces. If you downsize slightly, you can buy better things because you don't 100%. have to buy three beds and full sets. <laughs> you just need one really good sofa. You just need, you know, there's less room to fill. Uh, so you can have nicer things. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sarah, for walking us through a lot of the interiors decisions you made. And, you know, speaking of buying high and low and working with all these contractors, you know, what would be kind of some key takeaways that you want people to know? I think a couple of key takeaways will be definitely shop around for the professionals you're going to choose to engage in. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the architect, the builder, the contractor, I know like some people um, are engaging contractors from the north, things like that. So that's definitely worth shopping around for. Then I think grants, anything that is available to you, like what SEIA, you know, things like that, insulating, yeah. are you going to bring up your bear rating? You know, what can you do around that? I think doing the homework there, I was chief research, researcher on that <laughs> side of things. So I definitely And did, think, did the architect help on that too? So I, I yeah. assume, were you working towards a BRB to get the full SEAI grant or no? We worked with the architect and the builder to kind of bring our, bring our BR rating up to a B3. So we were thrilled to bring that up from a much lower rating initially. <laughs> and I think, you know, anything like that, we re-roof, we kind of re-insulated all those things. Wow. Kind of, okay. They can save your, save your energy bill in the long run. And again, you're kind of making good for the net, you know, if you choose to sell it as well, it's investing for, you know, the long term, I guess. Yeah. Um, Even though you don't see it as your forever home, because a lot of times people, you know, you get your survey back and someone's like, oh, the roof is okay. Doesn't need replacing immediately. Your advice is actually err on the side of just just fix it all while you're at it. Yeah, I I would definitely be of that mindset, and I think as well you then have this beautiful home, and if you decide to do the work later, 
think of how upside down a building's like can leave mm. and it can bring bring all these tradespeople in, even things like, you know, are you gonna have scaffolding at the front of your house? Okay, can you have scaffolding at the back of your house once construction is done and you know, things like that. But they're all tips and tricks that um the architect and the builder kind of recommended to us to kind of, you yeah. know, I guess sacrifice on, you know, splurging on the sofa at the time to do the roof. So there was things like that that we we did do adding a skyra for attic storage. You know, we we held on again, could have been the Ames care, something like that to put the <laughs> skyra in. So it definitely it definitely all paid off and we've, you know, a lot of things hidden like that that benefit us in a storage sense or in kind of our gas gas and electric bills. But I think definitely shopping around as well, whether it's, you know, online or the done deal, the adverts, Gaff Interiors is a favorite side of mine. They do a great job and there's some beautiful, beautiful mid-century pieces on that as well. So there's a lot out there that you don't necessarily need to buy brand new as well. And yeah. you're giving something else a kind of second lease of life as well. Amazing. Yeah. I think those are all great tips. Uh, there's so many places that you can buy vintage, especially if you're looking at mid-century that's just become so popular. What else would you say kind of bigger picture about people, especially nowadays who are facing a pretty daunting housing market? What are some sacrifices people can make and what are some different ways they can approach the house purchase, you know, in the market we are now where it's harder to get a builder, harder to do what you did? There's two ways that you, I guess you could kind of look at it. We spoke with a mortgage advisor. Um, as a service that Bank of Ireland offered, um, and we found him excellent. He was, I think, what they call a mobile mortgage advisor, and he was brilliant. He kind of he came to us as opposed to us, you know, having the laborious journey to a bank to kind of coordinate time off work and things like that. So that was really beneficial. We chatted through different options of finance and mortgage and rates and things like that. So we were really informed, and you know, we're able to go away well informed from Bank of Ireland, who were our preferred bank. Um, to compare what else was on offer from other um, financial institutions at that time. And um, that'd be a big tip for me. And then I think now and having lived in Portobello and I guess even strolled the streets of Portobello, I think there's opportunity for property in an untraditional sense as well. It kind of brings me back to one of the contestants at Home of the Year this year. They transformed a stunning old shop into a home. Yeah. So I think there's opportunity in untraditional places. I think yeah. there's some of the most stunning news builds in some of the laneways um, in Portobello, probably similar in Ballsbridge and across Dublin and, and um, other other cities. I think yeah. that there's opportunity to build and you know create gorgeous homes or bring life back into gorgeous homes. That isn't necessarily something that started as a home, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that shop front that was in this season's um in this season's episode I just thought was excellent. They've such a bright home with beautiful character that I'm like, oh wow, could that be like another project in the future <laughs> for a forever home? Like yeah. which led me which led me down a spiral of Instagram seeing, you know, another couple of transforms an old bank and, you know, even in Portobello there's an old church that's getting renovated into yeah. apartments. So I'm like, oh I my saw goodness. that. It's yeah. that's the one on South Circular Road, right? No, it's in, no. it's in more St. Kevin's. It's beside oh. the old Jewish museum. Um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's, wow. you know, it's beautiful. It's got like the old stained glass and things like that. So it's just such a, such an opportunity to bring life back into different buildings now. Whatever. I don't know what that would mean from like a 
configuring and planning and you know how that all looks but it's it's definitely food for thought for yeah. It's funny people. you say that because the, the the previous episode we interviewed Graham O'Sullivan, who's an architect, who together with his wife Steph O'Sullivan, who's a well-known interior designer, they took an old leather warehouse and demolished it and built a new house on a mu- in the Muse in Cabra, actually. So yes, there's a lot. I know. I know. I, yeah, it's incredible house. It's um, but people shouldn't shouldn't be afraid. Like. You did a full gut renovation, right? Mm-hmm. The only difference with a commercial property, you're you're gonna have to do all those things anyways if you buy mm-hmm. something that's a hundred mm-hmm. years old and hasn't been looked after. If you're do with a commercial property that needs to be, you know, kind of made into a home, you're gonna have to do all those same things. The only difference is you need planning permission to kind of rezone it, but you're gonna have to work with an architect anyway. They'll mm-hmm. have experience doing that. So I, I I agree. I think people need to not be scared of this unconventional route because anyways, if you were thinking of a renovation property, it's not that big a difference. And a lot of people still need planning because they, they want to do extension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, you know, it's a, it's a renovation that's dressed up differently. Exactly. Yeah. So on that note, we will finish up because I know you've got, uh, You've got your, your dog and, and your, <laughs> yeah, and your baby demanding your attention. Thank you so much for your time and for walking us through your beautiful house project. It's great for people to kind of hear the rationale and understand some of the decisions you did have made and some of the ones that actually evolved because it can be a really stressful project to undertake. And, um, the more we can demystify it, the easier it is for people to transform spaces into homes. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Interiors podcast. To learn more about our guests or anything we mentioned today, please refer back to the show notes. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Interiors podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast today, we'd really appreciate you leaving us a review on whatever platform you're listening in on and sharing the podcast with your family and friends. Until next time.